0: Hey up and welcome back to Paul Lass. This podcast episode is recorded in partnership with The Civic in Barnsley, an arts centre in South Yorkshire. It has been programmed as part of their No Boundaries season, which is running until Spring 2022. No Boundaries is a season of exhibitions, performances, community projects and workshops amplifying the voices and creativity of disabled artists as well as other communities underrepresented in the arts. It also explores the barriers that those communities face in society. Art and activism by disabled people has historically been the reason access rights and awareness has been improved. You can find out more about the Civic and their No Boundaries programme at barnsleycivic.co.uk. This episode will explore the experiences and the intersections of being working class and having a disability.
1: a podcast about real-life experiences from the mouths of legit working-class people. Hiya. Hey-up. I'm Selina. And I'm um, just a couple of Paulasses doing a podcast.
0: Hey-up. God, you were delayed then. I thought, am I talking to um, Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense?
1: <laughs> I was trying not to cough, sorry. <laughs> also, I've not, I've not seen The Sixth Sense, so I... I don't get that joke, sorry.
0: Joke, absolutely wasted. What a great start to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Dear me. So let's get to the important question.
1: Selina, what have you had for your tea? I've not had it yet. Um, I'm having (gasps) chippy, obviously, because it's it's a Friday evening. So after this, I'm going to have some chippy. Oh, mate, for shop Friday. It's already seven o'clock. Well, yeah, I know, but I thought I'll have it after this instead of before don't know yeah what have you had for your tea i made this new um
0: it's like knock it with broccoli and peas and cheese in a pile and you just put it in the oven it was very good to be honest in a pile <laughs> yeah you just like yes, i'm good you just like mix it all together put cheese on it and then just put it in the oven <laughs> so a pile, <laughs> a pile of cheese <laughs>
1: that the, like the master chef term in a pile
0: <laughs> yeah well do you know i've been watching that celebrity master chef right and there's some celebrities that I thought maybe they're a bit of a divvy, but actually, like, they're proper good at cooking. They, like, know about all sorts of stuff.
1: Well, just just goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: they're probably all middle class. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being judgmental, as usual. But, yeah, they all know about, like, spices and all that. And I'm to be fair, I'm getting better at it. But, yeah. Anyway, so we've got a special guest today and she hasn't said out yet. She's been very quiet in the background, but we're going to invite her to the foreground firstly by saying, hi, Rachel, but also tell us about yourself. And most importantly, what have you had for your tea?
2: <laughs> hi, hi. I just, I was struggling to stay quiet then because I was like, I can't believe what you've just had for your dinner, Em. <laughs> Are you amazed? I'm like, yeah, because i we used to live together a long long time ago and um it's it's a sea change. <laughs> yeah, it's not super noodles.
0: Not super noodles. Oh Mexico pie. Ah, oh, Mexico pie. I mean at the end of the day though, that is a culinary delight.
2: Um yeah, I'm like I'm like, you know, I've not had my tea yet. Um gonna have a pizza later on. Oh, dreams. dreams. Nice yeah. one. Maybe a glass of wine to celebrate having made it through the podcast. <laughs> the Hopefully. You will. We believe in you. That the question. Like, like yeah. Introduce yourself. I'm Rachel. I um, saw, so, like, age, sex, location.
1: <laughs> I was going to joke when Em said you're like, always like MSN. I was like, we should just be like, so Rachel, ASL?
2: <laughs> 39. Um, um, in Bradford. Uh, Soltaire, and I've just qualified as a counselor, psychotherapist. Um, originally born in born in Rotherham, then lived in Huddersfield for a long time, and then just kind of moved about a lot until settling back in, in BFD. Um, yeah, is there anything else? Like, oh, yeah, I guess that like part of the reason I'm here <laughs> is because. <laughs> Sort of, um to talk a little bit about like my experience with hearing loss. Um so kind of like diagnosed. I think I was like 32, 33. So it's not not been like ages, but long enough now that it's kinda of, like settled into my kind of normal. So yeah, just I'll chat with you a bit about, about that. Lovely. So
0: I guess Rachel, the first thing that, that I wanted to ask you is Obviously you use the phrase hearing loss there and there's lots of different mm. phrases that that people use. I wanted to ask you um, what what phrases do you prefer to use so example like hard of hearing deaf you know going through hearing loss etc but also how do you feel about the term disability as well
2: they are there are quite interesting questions um, because they were, they were, I used to use hearing impaired. As, as, like, my kind of description, but that's not, like, very PC at all. Like, people, like, in the hearing loss community don't like it because it's, like, mm. impairment as race out stigmatising. It's also, like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people use hard of hearing. Um. <sighs> I think this is very personal to me. There's, like, a bit of ageism coming in. like, it just, like, something about it just makes me think of my gran. So that's not my fault. <laughs> <moment, but. laughs> Yeah, sometimes I say I have hearing loss um, and sometimes I say hard of hearing um, and then 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 there's a big thing about the the deaf, what would you call it, identity I guess, Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and like hearing loss, people with hearing loss are kind of in that, you know like with like in queer communities where like nobody feels like they're queer enough to call themselves queer. yeah yeah it's like yeah it's like that kind of thing like am I deaf enough to call myself deaf like I don't sign I mean you know like I went to a mainstream school and like most of the time when I'm wearing hearing aids and you know the conditions are right a lot of people like wouldn't necessarily know that there was anything going on with me so sometimes I feel like a bit of like fraud or like I'm saying something that I'm not allowed to by using that by saying I'm deaf it's it's, like it's such a sort of simple thing you know like about like how you identify and describe yourself but there's like layers of stuff in it so yeah that's I I don't know I mean like I know that there were again there's like like a campaign only Luke he did this he's got his brand deaf identity and it's like you know there were lots lots of different type deaf people and you know like it's a spectrum and that you still get to call yourself that you still get to call yourself Beth. Um, you don't have to kind of prove it or like have like a certain level to be able to use that term, but I still feel sometimes a bit queasy using it because I feel like it yeah, it's part of a community that I'm not really part of. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, it's like you fear you're taking up space that that I'm only for to like you saying. For example, in the queer community, you always think I'm not queer enough. If you're like, am I taking up space that was meant for somebody else, or taking up space over somebody else that needs this space more? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there is some kind of like, I don't know, like trying to be like authentic as a person. And is it? I don't know. People have this like image in their head when you say deaf and it means certain things, and that's not actually my experience. And does it describe me
1: but like you say I guess it's a spectrum
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so I guess that's on the person that is like oh well you don't fit into this one this one narrow category of what I think a deaf person is
2: yeah it's it's interesting like how how you describe disability is another one as well like yes it is it is something that I use again like again I am have enough. gonna I think maybe having a, a invisible disability as well, like, kind of ties into that. Like, it's not something that, sort of, like, someone, you know, looking at me. It's kind of worms, there. My right? first question, I've already, like, gone off or down. <laughs> That's the,
0: <laughs> the beauty of a podcast, mate. Here we are. We're just going to be like, right, Rachel, you're in the seat. You're in the hot seat now. <laughs> We've got you. <laughs> so... I guess then, this should be a bit easier. Sorry to just go straight in there. Um, but what was your experience of, obviously in, in your particular circumstance, you talked about experiencing hearing loss and you said, you know, when you were younger, you went to mainstream school. Like, when did you sort of start hmm. seeing the signs of this? Like, what, what did that look like to you in your experience?
2: I just st- <laughs> stopped being able to hear people. I like, I was... <laughs> misunderstanding people a lot um it did you know do my girlfriend's head in and it just became more and more efforting now it's like asking people to repeat themselves um and so yeah it does it was starting to have like an impact on relationships thinking about like in terms of like you know Paul's kind of thing and about um actually my family had quite a strong kind of like genetic um hearing loss like it my gran, my uncle, my dad um some other family members like more and more distant down my, my maternal line. Is that maternal? Whatever. <laughs> um, but there's like a strong like they all had hearing loss but it was kind of disguised because um, they all sort of like worked in industry so worked in factories or um, like my dad worked in steelworks. And they just assumed it was all industrial deafness. So, like, I didn't have that kind of heads up that actually there's a family connection here and this might be something that's going to happen. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't expecting it, basically, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, because I I guess all your family's hearing loss was explained away by, oh, this is because of where they work. And that's just that's just it. But then, yeah, you weren't working somewhere where you would get industrial deafness.
2: Yeah. I remember dad. I remember my dad saying, oh yeah, because like great uncle Jim, he's an accountant and he wore a hearing aid. You're like, oh know god. But but I just thought I'd kind of sort of done it to myself a little bit. Um uh because I thought sort of, yeah, I just kind of assumed that it was from going to of gigs and listening to my Walkman really loud. Um so like I feel like in some ways that sense of sort of like like almost like shame around it that like I'd kind of like caused this myself stopped me going to the doctors for a long time. Like I delayed for ages going to see anybody about like my hearing, um, which I think is is very common. Like I think it, I read something about, like, seven years is, like, the stat on it, but like, between developing healing and lost symptoms and going to get a hearing test, it can be seven years as average. That's yeah. wild. Like, that. that's a crazy
0: amount of time. And, like, I guess to go back to the class thing as well, and it's, like, amazing how talking about, like, industrial uh, circumstances here in your working-class family, that's uh, interesting for you to say. But, yeah, I was just thinking then as well, Do you think being working class also means that you maybe don't seek help as soon as maybe other people would?
2: I think there was a definite thing about when I started to like because I paid before I left my previous job I saved up and I I spent quite a bit of money on my hearing aids and I know that that was something that was like raised eyebrows kind of thing in my family there was definitely something about Like, because the ones on the NHS were were fine and they're like, um, so I don't know that that was something that I definitely noticed. I don't know if other people's families maybe would have kind of, yeah, don't know, don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's like an an experience that maybe you wouldn't have had. Like, what you're doing, wasting all your money on on this thing that it's a bit of an indulgence kind of thing.
0: That's mad calling a hearing aid an indulgence.
1: I think what you mean, though, like you think other families would have just been like, "Oh, you think you're getting here? That's right. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. pay to seek this out, and then we're going to pay for the best, the best." Yeah. Whereas obviously, you're just like, "Yeah, but this is free, so why?" Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. This is fine. Money? It's like <laughs> if you can get it for free. Like you wouldn't. Why would you spend money on it? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it was. It
2: was like an water in a mountain, and like, but but I think it's partly because I was about to. I was about to retrain in a career where, like, the number one job specification was <laughs> listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, then, I need to, yeah. Um, <laughs> if, I think if, I'd, if I've not kind of been going into that career, then uh, maybe I wouldn't have done that. um But yeah, I, d- I don't know about help seeking generally. I think there's maybe, um there's definitely something about like the, the relationship with like the consultants. <laughs> that was quite interesting, um, trying to kind of talk to them and, like, them being quite sort of, I don't know. I think, I was going yeah. to
1: say dismissive, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I was about to say, I to kind of like, I, I've had some sort of different consultants, a range of experiences. Unfortunately, like, the first first one that I had wasn't a great experience and he was quite kind of like that cliche kind of like middle-class white guy who just, like, so arrogant and I like, just not the experience that I like I really kind of wanted at that point I was like in really quite a vulnerable place and it was like I think it's sort because of, I said something about I had to like he told me that I had collapsed eardrums which to me like sounds really like severe and I was like well you know like, I was like oh I've seen three of those today already oh. <laughs> so,
1: sorry I'm not a medical professional but if someone said to me collapsed eardrums, I'm like oh oh my I've ruined it's broken it's all gone wrong
2: yeah sounds like something I should be panicking about maybe yeah. I like, might want to do something about it and and then I had to kind of ask him like are you gonna like is there gonna be any treatment here like that was some yeah just like an experience where I did kind of really feel that sort of like dynamic of i guess it's in some ways it's a bit of a sort of a power dynamic um and about like somebody who has a lot of knowledge and a very kind of like a vocabulary that you don't understand and but you need their help so to try and sort of like that kind of like makes you feel quite small yeah i'm not making any sort of sense yeah, yeah all Here. yeah um, definitely so yeah that especially
1: was especially when like his, his job was to help you <laughs>
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. I was quite excited about going to see them because like the GPs, obviously they're great, but they're not specialists in like hearing. And I really wanted an answers at that point. I was like, what what the heck is going on? Um and I was like, great, I, I'm gonna go to this specialist and they're gonna like give me all this information. And unfortunately, like that experience, it it wasn't quite like that. It was not a great experience. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I got off on that. I was like, yeah, I it's just I guess like that thing of like dealing with sort of like consultants and medical professionals and that being like quite a intimidating thing. I guess.
0: Well, when you said as well about you use the word vocabulary, and I think it is a really intimidating thing. In it, when there's a vulnerability about going to someone for help, and if they're using like words or. I don't know, like, phrases or, or even just their attitude, if you feel like they're being condescending or looking down on you, then your walls do go up, don't they? They're like, well, do you know what I mean? I was going to swear then, but I can't. Um, but, yeah, I just... <laughs> I think it, you know, it is pretty common, isn't it, when you go to those types of, like, arenas, whether it's jobs or healthcare or whatever, and someone speaks to you in a way that you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then rather mm-hmm. than say... I don't know what you're talking about. Like, not everybody feels they can do that. So sometimes you just end up going, all right, well, I'm just not coming back here again. And then it's at your detriment,
2: yeah. right? Yeah, because, yeah, you need that uh, help. And th- thankfully, like, I, my next consultant I got um, was, like, just lovely. So they're not all... <laughs> they're not all bad, but, it, you know, and I, I know in, in, like... I know with people in, in different situations who have similar things with people, they're, they're really good at their job in some ways. Like, you know, the... the technical bit like so like you know they know a lot of stuff but they don't have any people skills um, <laughs> yeah yeah and I feel like as well like the whole like like I don't know if this is like me coming from my perspective but there's such a big like psychological impact somebody's like saying to you like you've got hearing loss it's like profound levels you're gonna have to wear hearing aid for the rest of the life your life, there's nothing you can do about it, see you later. Like psychologically I like that, but like it was a massive thing for me to take. And there was no kind of real acknowledgement of the fact that that for me, offered of, like anybody getting that kind of news that like, top like disability diagnosis, health diagnosis, that it's, you know, gonna throw you for six. Um, and that's something that I feel really quite like quite angry about actually now that like, like I do kind of wish that, you know, they could offer some sort of like counselling or, like, psychological support around disability diagnosis because I think it threw me off for a long time. Like, looking back now, I kind of, like, see almost like it's just, like, going through a process of grief, like, and going through the different, you know, like, the the stages of grief, you know, like, a long time in denial. Um, And then, like, just this bit where I was just really sad a lot because, I it felt like this, like, loss that like um yeah that I just like lost kind of this peering part of myself and I was never going to get it back and that kind of I think sometimes those experiences they kind of overlap with other stuff that maybe you've got going on in your life at the same time so it's like kind of about that but it's also about other stuff (laughs) um and yeah and then I think like the next kind of stage that I went into was like thinking about like assimilation and like right okay well I've got I'm I've got to wear hearing aids but it's, even the doctor went and she did it I and mean, it I did make me feel better it was the like, right thing to say at that point but she said you know like hearing aids aren't what they were in the 80s which is good partly as well because like my, my memory is of my man like with his hearing aids that constantly fed back and whistled all the time and she she was a bit of, like Catherine Tate kind of vibes. she was cockney <laughs> <laughs> amazing and she'd be like, that, that effing dog, shut that dog up back in my ear and And it would just like, oh, that's <laughs> gonna be me. I don't want this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, no. Um, but they have that the technology's come on immensely. Um, so but the other thing that she said was that you know, as, as a young lady like you, can hide them behind your ears and go not I know. Um, and that it did make me feel bad because at that point. As, like my kind of thing was like well I've got this but I'm gonna get some really good hearing aids I'm gonna get some really good tech no one's ever gonna know that this is going on like that's like my goal <laughs> like just be normal um and don't tell anybody and don't talk about it um so yeah that kind of like yeah just just hide it and with an invisible disability that's very easy to do um the downside is that if you never tell anybody like what's going on for you, you can never like <laughs> ask for any accommodations or like they don't have the opportunity to like make stuff easier for you or to, you know, you're going to miss out on lots of stuff because you just hide like the fact that you need accommodations. Um, so that was a big like the assertiveness um, and the disclosure were big sort of steps like that kind of like step final kind of step towards like actually like stuff's better when you talk about what you need and like let people know how they can help you but but psychologically that was like for me I think um and it like was kind of time I you know I went into sort of similar time I started my own like long-term therapy and I think it wasn't really specifically about hearing loss but that those kind of themes of like you know you can you can show up in the world and like like ask people what you need and and be visible and it's okay um was stuff that I was working on in that anyway so so yeah
0: it's interesting that you said as well about this idea of um like hiding away almost you know and like mm-hmm. hiding the the hearing aids behind your hair and stuff like that like do you think there's a feeling of being told i guess that that you have a disability to use that word i wish i could inverted commas uh, but you can't see me at this point is um <laughs> do you think like society and culture or whatever makes you feel like you have to hide a little bit if you have hearing aids like did you feel it was this thing that was bad at first did you feel
2: Mm. like
0: worried about it i mean the reason i asked that as well is um my dad had a similar thing where the doctors said to him that he should wear hearing aids and he had an appointment booked and he just said i'm not wearing hearing aids and then never went back
2: (laughs) so do you yeah Yeah.
0: like he can't hear a certain like above a frequency so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like when i talk to my dad and when i shout him and stuff I have to do it in a really low voice Yeah, 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 yeah. he can't hear over a certain amount. <laughs> can't do that so. high
2: frequencies.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he just simply can't hear it. But his his reaction to it is like, you know, working class <laughs> bloke, was just like, no, nah, I'm not wearing a hearing aid. And that was it. He just never went back. Do you know what I mean? Like there's almost like a stigma, isn't there, to be, again, I think it links back to that vulnerability and asking for help too as well. Maybe it's like a working class pride thing. I don't know.
2: Yeah. My dad's the same like we should get them together. <laughs> um, Imagine I mean, he has got hearing aids, but he does he does wear them sometimes. and I know because I'm like, I can see you masking, you know what I mean? I know what's going on. Like you can't hear me. <laughs> um and you can't get away with it with me, because I like yeah, I can I'm like tuned into when people can't hear. Um like put them on. <laughs> so he's got them, but then I mean, I do have sympathy because, like, you do have to go through this stage. It's not like glasses where you put them on and, like, oh, I can see. It's, like, great. Like, your brain has to do a lot of work and there's, like, lots of, like, stuff with, like, basically recalibrating the noise level. So when you first wear hearing aids, like, it's just horrible. (laughs) It's really horrible. Um, Because you just hear, like, background noise and you're, like, this is what it's like. I'm going to throw these in the bin kind of thing. Um, But your brain does adjust and it is like a process. And then now I can't, like, I can't live without them. Like, I won't be able to work without them. So, like, but, yeah. And the other question about, like, yeah, the hiding stuff. I think for me, with this particular disability, there was a thing about it being linked to age um, and it being, like, an old person thing. And then that was, like, I don't know, really hard for me like um I feel like now I've I've, I'm in a really different position but um I don't know I I just did not want to wear them like I didn't I kind of felt embarrassed about it because at the time were you working in the arts Mm -hmm.
1: did that play into it at all do you think or
2: no Um, I think I think in some ways like in some ways like actually having that place where like because the place that I worked at was quite right on <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, so, right. yeah so they want to be inclusive so I like I yeah kind of like oh sh- sugar like uh, aside from anything else I'm gonna like have to worry about them booting me out my job I yeah. was more about training as a therapist I worried a lot about that um and about disclosing around that but actually like rightly or wrongly like it did feel like a bit of a more secure place i don't want to say it was a secure place to work because i think actually sometimes people say one thing and do another yeah um, <laughs> but at least if if they ever did anything that wasn't cool then i'd have pretty i felt like i was on sort of solid ground to um, yeah, aye. all out yeah <laughs> like don't kind of you know talk about being inclusive and then yeah not be inclusive
0: yeah that's a shocker Um, isn't it what a what a shocking thing to say (laughs) performative oh yes um so I guess related to that as well um we were looking at stats um and you know around 65% of working age adults in the UK who are deaf or hard of hearing 65% of of those people are in jobs which is not a lot like you know and it's obviously an impact I just wanted to ask you of like when you were saying there the the topic of like disclosing you know is there a do you feel like there's a barrier to work and if so like what what did that look like to you so do you think that obviously disclosing is, is one part to it but generally speaking you know going to a job you know and kind of being able to do a job like what is the impact what does it look like for you and, and what's your experience of that
2: I'm not gonna lie. I think it's it's in the mix of why I decided I want to go self-employed because like I get c- control over it. Like I get control over how much I work, and I don't have to like deal with anybody else's prejudice or anything like that. Um, it's in there, I think. Like and um and in terms of say like controlling the amount of like say like client work that I do um because it's it's really like I get a lot out of it but like auditory fatigue is kind of a real thing that like, I have to be a bit more mindful and make sure that I have like breaks and I don't kind of over schedule my working day um and I get you know I don't have to explain that to anybody else I can kind of control my own workload whereas I think in an organization they'd, they'd be more of a push to like do see a certain number of clients or um all that kind of thing so so yeah um I was I was really worried about it and I don't know if how much of it's like in my head and how much of it was like a genuine I think I'd read similar stuff then about like people just you know you take the deaf hard and hearing box and you never hear from people again literally (laughs) sorry um never hear from people again that was what I was laughing at um
0: we heard you some... naughty little joke there <laughs> yeah,
2: when, like, explain my joke like I'll do that pause for you yeah uh I did I didn't even want to tell you the, like part of the reason I went to the university um to do my qualification was because they had a disability office um I went to meet them before I applied for the course and I feel like psychologically again that was an important thing for me just to feel like I could do this and if I do this someone's kind of got my back a bit and in the end of like I went to see them they helped me apply for DSA which is Disabled Students Allowance and then I got that and I got my tech and I never I never used them again I think I sometimes went into the um they had like a little disability resource room and it was really quiet and and that's like I'm in my breaks i just kind of wanted to like not socialize with anybody which is hard because part of me does want to socialize but also like i'm tired from listening to people it's like my brain has to work a bit harder because there are sort of gaps in what i can hear so like when i had a break i'd be like i really just want to go and like sit in a quiet room and like stare at a wall <laughs> and not have anybody be like what are you doing you weirdo <laughs>
0: I guess one of the, the other statistics as well is that 20% um, of people who live with deafness and, and hard of hearing and, and hearing loss is they, 20% of them live in poverty. So I guess the, the kind of prompts into the next question of, of what you just mentioned there about DSA is like, what, like what does the access look like to get in support? So like when you said before about hearing aids and stuff, and, and um. getting, you know, getting the right tech, what, what does that look like in your experience, and, and are you aware of what it looks like outside of your experience as well, like, you know, it, for example, does the NHS provide certain things, you know, it, what is the... I don't, why can't I get my words out? <laughs> I was giving you <laughs> guys... Given all that, oh, I've got all the words because I've had my tea, but <laughs> evidently not. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess just like if we think about, you know, that's that's quite a big chunk of people living in poverty. Like, mm. what is there something there that you think is because of, you know, not having access to things that would make, you know, life feel a little bit more, um, mm. you know, achievable? I guess in like a job space or like you said, sometimes you don't want to ask or you don't want to disclose, and, and that could mean, you know, not applying for stuff or not feeling like you can belong in certain spaces or, you know what I mean, like feeling limited by it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that's a big thing and like, like thinking it back again to, like, that class thing about, like, if you've always, always, you've been kind of struggling with, say, like, imposter syndrome or, like, like working up to, like, I don't know, having a seat at a table in one of these spaces is really intimidating and you feel like just anyway because of who you are and that kind of thing that you don't belong there to then to then go and then be like okay also can (laughs) can be like I don't know make sure the lighting's great in here and make sure I have this seat here so I can hear and can you wear this mic and all these other things that I need as well it's like that layer on top of like I don't know like if you kind of have that sense of entitlement I guess that you were welcome in this space and um your voice was important here that maybe that asking for those things wouldn't be as big a deal um but does that that make sense
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: yeah
0: it it does entitlement's a a big word i think there and that says a lot (laughs) because yeah just go in anywhere and be like hey i'm a person with needs (laughs) not
2: like and that's totally something
0: that, yeah yeah <laughs> i deserve my my needs to be
2: met <laughs> imagine imagine a world yeah. it's really important that i contribute and like have a voice and i like it's weird because as i'm saying it i like like logically i i believe those things about myself but i think that like there's like like different layers of like cognitively i i believe those things but like on some kind of emotional level like it's not I'm not quite caught up with my my beliefs does that make (laughs) yeah
1: it's like it takes a lot just to it's like oh I can believe it but asking for it is a complete different thing it's like yeah I have to talk myself into that first totally and
0: like I guess if you think about it in terms of just being a person from any marginalized community you know feeling like you can take up space you know, to use that phrase again that we like to use a lot is like mm-hmm. to to be the person that says I have needs and I need to be respected. And, I, you know, but in this instance, be really, you know, well, actually, I, I can't enjoy the show that I've paid for, you know, or I can't, mm-hmm. um, you know, enjoy this thing that, that I was really looking forward to because that person either didn't help you or you felt you couldn't ask the person. And yeah, like you said, it's like this extra layer on top of the other kind of identity stuff that that people can have. And I guess what I wanted to like talk to you about next Rachel is the the world that we live in now and I, I don't want to be like new normal because you know, <laughs> Boris and friends but Science. but it, we kind of are in the new normal. <laughs> it's a good phrase to use for us. Um you know, in a world where people are distant, so further away from you, um also wearing masks and, you know, the the whole thing of like um, hybrid working and the future feeling more like it could happen more on Zoom regardless, you know. So, you know, watching events or going to gigs, you know, you can either choose to to pay money and go to a gig or you can pay a fraction of the money and sit on your chair at home and watch the gig. You know, it, we seem to be moving into this new world of, of doing things like that. Like, how has that impacted you and how do you think it would impact going forward? So I'm thinking especially things to do with, you know, again, having access to the right tech, you know, other things that are really integral that you kind of need um, and, and stuff like that, really. So, you know, in your in your job as well, that typically would have been quite face to face. I'm imagining that you're doing a lot through Zoom.
2: You know, what, what does that look like now in the new normal? <laughs> I think that it has been... I, I feel like this kind of almost sense of... Not trepidation, but just want to be, be a bit careful because, like, like there have been real communication challenges for hard-of-hearing people. Um, like you say, like, basically all the kind of, like, bits of things that I do to make my life easier, like, um, corona's kind of, like, taken away a little bit because they're, like, you know, not being too far away from people or lip-reading or... Uh, yeah, I don't think all the other ones. Yeah, just like physical physical distance, really. Um, like can't can't do it anymore because like it, I also want to be careful because it's like really important that like people don't spread corona, um, and you know like other other people other disabled people are being impacted on such a kind of like disproportionate level. I don't want to kind of just be like, oh, it's really get the tiny violin out or whatever, because just being respectful that other people have had greater challenges, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Behave, um, behave. Listen,
0: <laughs> everybody has their own challenges, and, and, and everything, you know, is is all your own experience, so don't worry about that. Put that tiny violin away.
2: <laughs> but I think, I don't. you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to care. Like, masks aren't really challenging, but um, I don't want, you know, somebody who's shielding to get corona. I don't want them to have to stay in forever because they can't go out, because... Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing of, yeah, it is challenging, but this whole whole mess is um, challenging as well. And I think there are people that are worse off, I know. <laughs> um, I know that doesn't mean that, that I can't talk about communication challenges, but at the same time, I did kind of want to just like tip my hat at that because I feel like it's important, I guess.
1: But do you think, are you hopeful that things will be more accessible as they have been in certain so, other ways during mm-hmm. the pandemic or do you think you know like people being like told that they they can't remote work or we can't have a meeting this way or we can't make these adjustments like we could be for when everybody needed adjustments yeah. but do you think that like now not everybody does need adjustments that will suddenly just forget and be like right we have to go back to how it was before because that's how it was for many years and that's how
2: it has to be I don't know, but I definitely agree with you about that whole thing of, like, for, <laughs> for people who have been, like, told for years, like, oh, no, we can't do X, Y, Z, to suddenly, like, oh, you can then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because
1: everybody's affected. So I'm affected mm-hmm. now, so we can do it. <laughs>
2: it's like, okay. Um, I don't I, – I honestly don't know. I feel like things have – sometimes you, I'll go out into the world and it'll just feel like it, it never happened. But in other ways, like – I think, like maybe if I take as like a concrete example, say like like the counselling psychotherapy thing. Um, like remember when when it all first happened, and um obviously my placement suspended, uni suspended, um and there was always this big thing that like BACP would never count um, online or video call counselling towards your placement hours towards your qualification. Um, and it you know they had a bit of a Bit of a wobble, trying to sort like figure out what they were going to do. But then, 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 obviously, you know, like in this like circumstances, they sort of gave the green light. Actually, you can do class video calls and um telephone counselling towards your placement. I don't know what's the word, uh, like component. So like, so that was a big thing. And I I feel like in that world, um, a lot of people had kind of like yeah, like counsellors using um online methods that have never used them before and I feel like they'll it'll be hybrid you know like going forward so some people want to go back face to face and some people want to um do it online and I was really surprised actually because I I actually and, and I, don't, I don't think this is very representative of other hard of hearing people but I love zoom for feel like individual things the group calls I find much more challenging um but actually like I can control that environment and, like, get my hearing levels set and I've got all my tech. And um, in some ways, it's, it's easier for me than face-to-face. So, um, but, like, I know other people, like, in hearing loss forums, they, like, really hate working online. Um, so it's, it's quite personal, I think. It depends on, like, the degree of hearing loss and, and, I guess, what sort of techs you've got.
0: If you think about, like, going back into the real world... Where it's more likely that you and the other person might be wearing a mask in a in a more mm. sort of closed space, is that something that's going to be challenging for you?
2: Yeah, no, that's like my worst nightmare. That my place where we're gonna get back in touch with me and say, right, we're all coming back in, but you've got to, you've got to wear a mask. Clients going to wear a mask. Like I literally could not, I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, like I'd, I'd find a way because it's always like right, you know, you just got to adapt, where it. it'd be pretty pretty difficult um so yeah that was a bit of a like you know one of those things that kind of kept me up at night a little bit but um thankfully that that didn't happen and again now I'm kind of another one of those like work for yourself be kind of you know control things um yeah that I can kind of choose what I do a bit more and like like again that kind of like having that that sort of like privilege to be able to be able to do that and not everybody can I guess like
0: when you when you talk about the tech that you have what what actually is it can you help us and and the uh audience i guess understand what that tech is and maybe like as well is there anything that that people who aren't hard of hearing or deaf can do to make you know make situations more accessible or you know be kinder basically to Mm. i guess just understand um any kind of uh, mountains that you might have to climb that we don't appreciate
2: i've got um it's called roger roger direct roger select there's i think the roger direct is a bit that communicates so roger select is the actual microphone um and that communicates i've got bluetooth hearing aids um, and it communicates sort of directly through those and i'll kind of i can move that around and put it next to my laptop speaker or like it's face to face like the person that's talking and um that'll kind of pick up what they're saying a lot better than just a hearing aid could because hearing aids are quite sort of limited particular like difficult hearing situations so like um lots of background noise or if someone's far away um so i think even if you don't have the kind of hearing aids that have got the bluetooth enabled you can get a little like shoot I think they call them that you put on the bottom, um, and that can turn any hearing aid into like one that communicates with that device. So that that's really great, and like, I really love that. Um, they also they do they do some like pens called like the Roger pen. Um, which like I don't have it because I I ended up going for this one because that's what my audiologist like recommended as a better speaker and for better for my needs. But you can kind of again, it's one of those things. If you you are feeling a bit like you don't want to like disclose or like have a conversation with somebody about what's going on, you, it just looks like a pen, and you put you like you give it point it at people and it's like a microphone. I kind of feel like maybe it's like a bit James Bond, but like. I was gonna say, (laughs) but in my head, (laughs) I I went to the Austin
0: Powers one before I went to uh, (laughs) James Bond, which says a lot. Spy device. (laughs) So,
2: but yeah, just and like that means that my speakers are much more, um, like just the sound quality is much better. Um, so yeah, it has. It's like massively like changed my life, and I again there's a thing with like tech it's like one of those things where you're like this is great it makes like i could do everything and then you're like but what if it breaks <laughs> i like, completely rely on
0: there's the things that other people can do to make life easier so things like you know hearing loops um you know if people are doing events and stuff or like just generally speaking you know if you're on a bus or, or, I don't know, you know, things like that. Is Are there any things that people can do to be more mindful and, and a bit more accommodating?
2: I guess that just even, like, having it as, like, a possibility that somebody, if somebody doesn't kind of respond to you, that it might be because they've not heard you. Like, that for me is a... Cause I don't know if it's partly, again, like, my age that people just don't expect me to be have hearing loss and like that thing of constantly like people thinking I'm rude or like stupid um because I'm not acknowledging them because I can't hear them um that's like it's quite upsetting um so you know like and I've got a part to play in that as well it's like you know like I can sort of disclose and that sort of side of things and like you know I've got hearing loss I didn't hear you um but like to even like have it as like a possibility that that if somebody's not communicating with you it's not just because like they're really ignorant or whatever it's just like literally they might not be able to hear you that's kind of one of the big things um and the other ones are like um having spaces with like no background noise that's a big big one like background music and stuff like that makes stuff really hard and some spaces acoustically are much better than others so like high ceiling places where there's lots of reverberation are pretty sometimes pretty horrible (laughs) for hearing aid users um so having like quiet cozy like soft furnishings and like making it all a bit like that makes a big difference in how much people can hear um having kind of rest times where like between sort of like listening and like just like just sort of downtime um that really helps I like hearing loops yeah a lot of people don't use them um so a lot of places like the whole thing is like it's either off or it's broken um with with the hearing loops but I feel like I don't know it's one of those like uh vicious circles like if you don't use it then the event organizers are not gonna have it working and then do you know what I mean it just goes on and on lighting is important as well I guess like I'm thinking about like like zoom stuff like enabling cameras sometimes because a lot of people will do like the lip reading um things so being able to sort of like see someone's lips is can be really helpful if someone's just like struggling to hear um but I guess about the other thing the other thing is like that common kind of common sense thing of um just asking <laughs> somebody what they need because it's so different like people's like Again, like on a spectrum of like people have different levels of hearing loss and they have also like different patterns of hearing loss. Um, so like, I mean, what you were saying about with your dad, where like he can't hear the high frequencies, and that's that's like the one that I've got as well. It's like ski soap hearing loss, they call it. Um, so it's kind of like your, your audiogram kind of goes like like a ski slope, um, because you've lost all your high frequencies. Um, but there's other people that have got other stuff like. Like cookie cook I can't say it, cookie cutter, or something like where like basically I think like the cookie monsters come along and taken a bite out of the audiogram. So you just like lost kind of more random frequencies. So that's like different to my experience. Like you might not be able to hear the low frequencies as well. So yeah, everyone's different. So like finding out that person's experience and what they need.
0: I like the names for those. <laughs>
2: I'm going
0: to have to
2: check. There's
0: definitely a thing about a cookie. Cookie, cookie. I can't say
2: that word, cookie, cookie. Ski slopes and cookies, love it. Sounds more exciting than it is, doesn't it? It's like, ooh.
0: Some big wordy medical term otherwise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I think is, like, interesting overlap is, you know, when people use the... Um, like caption thing on Instagram. I don't know the proper name for it. Cap- Is it just called captioning on Instagram? When you do a story and it automatically puts the words on the screen, and mm. the the technology does not get a regional accent <laughs> at all. <laughs> like so, again, I think you know we've got a bit of a crossover here with like working class people. Like if you're if you're relying on that to understand what people are saying, like oh my god. Hopefully the technology will get a bit it's bloody wrong. better.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's. I mean, sometimes it's you know funny, like because it's so wrong. It's like, but then <laughs> if you want to try to desperately understand something, then yeah, of it, like maybe it runs runs off of it, runs runs out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it is one of those. It is. It annoys me that like generally, like I love accents, but sometimes accents are are harder just from a like hearing loss tone perspective to understand um yeah. and and yeah like also it annoys me that like generally i hear women as well and men like as a feminist that just sounds like <laughs> <really ironic. laughs> but, i love it like fuming <laughs> well yeah i think that's it i'm keeping you off of my tea so you know mate don't well, you worry i'm, worried. I'm, I'm, you? I'm, I'm all right, right. yeah you, i've
1: got yeah, you're all right. We've not had our tea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, anyway, I think that's it then, Rachel. Thanks a lot for, for joining us tonight and putting off eating your pizza on a Friday night and <laughs> Selena for going hungry <laughs> for chips until 8 o'clock on Friday. <laughs> what a what a team. Yeah, I mean, I
1: okay. The chips are going cold downstairs.
2: Oh, are they there already? Right, yeah, they've been out. here for a bit. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> right. It's been worth it. Thanks so much <gasps> for having me, guys, and for letting me like ramble on. I hope that like some of it makes some kind of sense. <laughs> no. but, I, it's really good listening
1: to you. It's good.
2: Uh, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, it's an amazing thing that you guys do here. So keep on.
1: Yeah,
0: we'll we'll give you that five quid that we said that we'd give you for
1: saying yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know my working
2: cool. um. <laughs> You go and have
1: your, you go and have your glass of wine because you smashed it. So. God yeah. Bless you. Yeah. You treat yourself well. Thanks, Rachel,
0: and hopefully see you IRL soon. What?
2: Definitely.